People often think that product-led growth is anti-sales, and that's just not true. I'm Blake Bartlett from OpenView, and this is the Build Podcast. Build is for people who are building software companies, navigating the new customer journey, and growing product-led businesses by focusing on the end user. Before product-led growth, we saw that the fundamental way that you were able to grow quickly was by burning more capital. And it wasn't until we started to observe the fact that people were breaking the rules of this fundamental trade-off between growth and profitability, and they were seemingly able to have their cake and eat it too. They were able to grow fast on the top line while also being capital efficient on the bottom line. And at OpenView, we certainly saw this on display in our portfolio companies like Calendly and Expensify and Datadog. And certainly we've seen it, and you've probably observed it, externally with companies like Zoom and Atlassian who have gone public with these same dynamics. Product-led growth is becoming the new norm in software these days. You may be wondering, what is product-led growth? Product-led growth is an end-user-focused growth model that relies on the product itself as the primary driver of customer acquisition, conversion, and expansion. But that's not how it began. I would say if I look back on it, that it began in some cases out of personal preference of the founder who built that business uh, or out of just sheer necessity. So to break those two down, on the personal preference side, I would say that I've seen this a lot with founders who might be engineers themselves and, and product people at heart. And many engineers don't like salespeople and they don't like being sold to and they don't like cold outreach and those kinds of dynamics. So when it comes time for that type of a founder to build their own business, the last thing in the world they want to do is hire salespeople and put others through that experience that they hate themselves so much. So they put a self-service product up there on the internet and people start using it and the growth takes off from there. On the necessity side, I'd point to Atlassian as being the best example here. So while Atlassian is an extremely large company today, it's a public company, you probably use the products, you know, whether it's Trello or Jira or many others that are under their, their portfolio, you probably use them at your, your office. But Atlassian is not a new company. Atlassian's been around since the late 90s, early 2000s. And Atlassian was also started and headquartered in Australia. And if you know anything about Australia, is that it's not particularly close to other markets. It, it kind of is isolated and it's on its own. And it's also quite far away from a time zone perspective. So when it came to distributing the software that Atlassian was building, really the only viable option was to make a self-service product that people could buy anywhere on the globe at any time of the day or night, not just when the local Australians were awake and ready to be selling over the phone. I would say that at OpenView, the aha moment we had last year as it pertains to product-led growth, was, was really realizing that what's behind product-led growth is this shift to end users being in charge of software purchasing decisions at their companies. And we, we sort of got at that by asking the question, how did your company adopt Slack? And if you think about that for your company, for your team, it probably went something like an individual employee or user at your company found Slack, signed up with his or her team, started messaging and communicating with their small team, and then pretty soon it expanded and grew from there to a point where today everybody's on Slack. You communicate on it constantly, and you can't imagine life without Slack. And that really exhibits how software products are purchased today. Individual end users are finding products that they need. They're adopting them, often for free to start, and then 
sharing them with their coworkers, and eventually they tell their boss which ones to buy and which ones to allocate budget to. And this is extremely different from how it used to work, which was that your boss got a cold call from a salesperson and decided what software your team was going to use and then told you later on after the purchase was already made and you're sitting in a classroom getting trained on the software. So you didn't really have a say in it. And if you didn't like the software, then tough luck, right? Go get a different job or wait until we renew this thing and replace it in a few years, right? But today, those power dynamics have completely shifted to where end users, we can all find software that we want, that we need, and bring it to work and really solve our own problems. We can scratch our own itch. So that's the end user era. The new customer journey starts with the end user. The end user discovers a product that solves a pain point that they have. They sign up for the product. They start using it for free. They tell their coworkers about it. They tell their friends about it. And the thing spreads like wildfire. Later on, the budget holder eventually finds out about the product. And the end users have built a groundswell around that budget holder, around their boss. And they're demanding which product the company uses and which product the company allocates budget to. So for software companies, navigating this new customer journey that starts with the end user, that starts with a free product, not a paid product, where conversion is through a swiped credit card, perhaps for an individual paying a very small amount of money that then expands over time and your sales reps follow, they don't lead the product, they follow the product. Once there's a big enough footprint inside the customer account, that presents a challenge. It makes all the sense in the world as the user of software, and it's how you want to buy, and it's how you want to adopt. But sitting in the seat of building a software company, of distributing or running sales or running growth or running go-to-market, whatever the function may be for that software company, it's a little confusing to know how do you navigate these waters and how do you actually have any influence over the slope of your growth line and the trajectory that you're on and when your people, when your team should be getting involved and when they shouldn't. So since that's the dynamic of how software is being discovered and purchased inside businesses today, and if the gatekeeper has shifted from IT and C-level executives all the way down to the end user as the decision maker for what software we're going to adopt, then that obviously changes and influences and informs how you should build a software company. You need to orient towards the end user. And this is a lot of what we talked about in prior seasons of the Build podcast, which is you need to build your software to solve end user pain, and then you need to distribute that software to those same end users. And end users, obviously, if you think about yourself as a consumer, which end users really are just consumers at work, you need to distribute in a way and make the customer journey or the user journey to be similar to what your preferences look like as a consumer. We all hate friction in funnels when we're trying to purchase something or check out and start using a new app or a new product. And so if you're distributing to this end user at work, then removing the friction, making it self-serve, all of these things are incredibly important. After discussing the end user era and after really hearing an incredibly positive response about this end user era concept, we've been hearing a new set of questions. And this new set of questions are things like, great, I believe in the end user era, I've built a self-service product, I'm distributing it to end users, I'm starting to see the flywheel spin, but I'm also starting to see some small teams get on my product. I'm starting to see those small teams become larger teams. I'm starting to see bigger enterprise logos show up in my funnel and start to have some expansion and some growth. And what do I do now? I'm starting to get people asking for 
sales consultations. I'm starting to get people asking for invoices and for dedicated account managers and things that require humans to be in the funnel. And something we had talked about in the end user era is that it's important for humans to be out of the funnel. So how do I square this circle? Is product-led growth anti-sales? Is there a role for humans to be involved in helping the end users at the other end of the equation? These are some of the questions that we're getting from folks. So in addition to a lot of these questions about the new customer journey and the end user era, we've quite frankly been hearing a lot of frustration from people. Frustration that the best practices that they've heard for years and years are starting to feel less and less relevant. That as the customer journey evolves, that they can't rely on those same rules of thumb, on those same best practices, on those same SaaS metrics, on those same frameworks that they've been hearing for the last 10 years about inbound marketing or about inside sales or about the role of sales development or how to grow faster by investing in your sales team. Those things just sound less and less relevant each day for companies who have embraced the end user era and that are pursuing product-led growth. And, and honestly, I think that there are two things behind this. One, there's just been a lack of people recognizing and calling out the fact that the world has changed. There's been a lack of innovation and creation of new best practices and new rules of thumb and new metrics and new frameworks and new guidelines. But also, I think people need permission to break the rules. They need permission to venture out and to try something new, do away with MQLs as they've known them historically, and instead to embrace more relevant end user oriented PQLs. But it doesn't stop with replacing an MQL with a PQL. They have lots more questions just exactly like that. What do I do about inside sales? What do I do about inbound marketing? What is the role of content today? Should I still be doing marketing automation? Is a blog still something that I should be pursuing? Are listicles still relevant? Just kidding. Nobody's really asking that. But there are still many questions of things that were extremely popular five to 10 years ago that are still being recycled as the best practices for today. And we fundamentally recognize that that needs to change. So what do we know about the new customer journey at this point? Well, we know a few things. First, we know that it starts with the end user and not with the executive buyer. The product leads and sales follows. It used to be the other way around. And the role of sales, it does exist. Again, product-led growth is not anti-sales, but the role of sales looks a lot more like customer success, helping existing customers and driving expansion and keeping people happy rather than the old role of sales around pounding the phones, dialing for dollars, you know, and always be closing oriented hard sales. But there's still a lot that we don't know about the new customer journey. Like who owns the revenue number? Historically, this has always been the sales leader, whether it's the VP of sales or the CRO, that person owns the number. And if you don't hit the number, you know who to blame. But how is that different in product-led growth? And how is that different in the new customer journey? How should you structure your go-to-market team? Who does what? What's the exact role of salespeople, success people, support people? Do all of those teams and all of those roles exist? Do they look very different? Do we just call them all customer champions now? What's the role of growth versus product? They're both kind of product roles, but at sometimes they can be at odds with one another. What's the role of marketing versus community? There are a lot of questions down into the details and in the specifics that we hear from our audience and that we have ourselves. Back to what we do know. We do know that this is happening to the entire software industry. This end user era is a thing. It's here and we don't have a choice. Regardless of what industry you're serving, regardless of the size of your company, Regardless of where you've come from, 
we all have to face this new dynamic of the end user era and adapt to it or be left behind. The reality is, is that no one has the answers. So we're bringing on people who are fighting this battle on the front lines every single day from the best product-led growth companies out there to understand how they've thought about these questions. And the goal would be that we can weave all of those things together and have an answer through this season as to what the new customer journey looks like and how do we thrive in the end user era. So there are some things that we know and there's a lot that we don't know, but we're all in this together. So join us as we figure out the new customer journey on this season of the Build Podcast. Subscribe and follow along wherever you get your podcasts and let's tackle the end user era together.